All right, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. You got your boy Zage here, of course. I'm joined by a lovely guest, someone I've been meaning to spend more time with, so I'm so glad to have them here. A very talented, driven, motivated, personable young man, uh, a new friend of mine, Chris Papa. And I wanted to say, I was just about to say right when we started recording, uh, Mitchell got your last name wrong for so long. He calls you Papa. (laughs) And so so I thought that was right. And I always thought to myself like, oh, that's a weird way to say that, but that must be like the family way. And uh, finally, when I was speaking to him last about you coming on, he was like, oh, by the way, it's Papa. And I was like, no shit. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that from him and I never really care to correct it. I don't really care that much. I wonder why he assumed that that was the right way to say that. (laughs) I don't know. Sounds kind of spicy. It definitely does. It actually made me think that you came from like Spanish descent. Yeah, exactly. A little little spicy in there. Uh, But here, please give the people like a 101 on who Chris Pop is. Tell them where you're from. Tell them uh, what you like, what you do, you know? Yeah, so my name's Chris Papa. I am from the suburbs of Chicago, born and raised. Uh, right now, I'm helping out for day-to-day management, and we'll be doing tour management for 24K Golden, who I also live with. Um, I like music. I'm a, still in a music industry major at USC, barely, but still doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just like having fun and having a fun lifestyle and just working hard and achieving my goals. <laughs> you so I, said that. So I, I guess here we are, you know what I mean? Yes, definitely. So glad to have you, like I said. Tell me uh, a little more about... Growing up in Chicago, my only interpretation, hate to shout out Mitchell again and give him more free clout, but my only (laughs) interpretation of the area is like Mitchell and his experience there. And he's like a band kid and you don't really strike me as like a band kid. So tell me what your experience was in Chicago. I did do band in high school, but definitely wasn't my thing. Just my parents really wanted me to do it. Um, Chicago suburbs were a fun place to grow up in. I had a lot of friends. It was a very, very like just safe place where you could go to the city if you wanted to do stuff and pursue more things like go see shows, concerts, stuff like that, which I did a lot in high school. But yeah, it was a fun time overall. I mean, I knew most most people within like, my not my grade, but my friend group, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it was a fun time. I love Chicago. I intend to move back there at some point too. Oh, okay. My parents are still there and my sisters are still there and everything. But yeah, I loved growing up there. It was oh, a great time. Are you the only young man in the, the sibling? Yeah, yeah. I am the, I have two, I'm the youngest of three. So I have two older sisters, yeah. Do you think that your femininity is raised compared to the average man? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> and I think that's why I'm more confident about my sexuality and just like masculinity. Because some people might say, oh, this dude like gets his nails done and eyebrows are. It's like, bro, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, whatever. No, in the same I mean? way. I was raised by an independent. And I know a lot, of, a lot of good music through my sisters. So, oh, do you actually though? I, I know a lot of like pop, early two thousand pop hits because of them. I guess I'll say that. Yeah, I was gonna. That's like <laughs> I wouldn't call that great music. Or anything. Uh, you know, it, it makes you feel good. If it makes you feel good, it's great music. Yeah, me, and so. culturally relevant for sure. 100%. Uh, I too have a younger sister only, and then raised by like a mom for a while by my by herself. So okay. I have yeah. like the women you got touches the women for on sure. Your side. Definitely. Uh, does your love for music come from nature or nurture? Was it like a household thing? You mentioned your sisters, or was it a lot of like? I mean, you're in Chicago, so obviously you were there for like the blow up of Kanye West and and Chief Keef, like, was that a main play in your love for music? So my parents are immigrants from Albania. Holy shit, no way. And they moved here with my sisters, actually. I'm the only one born in America. Holy shit. Yeah. What a unique perspective. Yeah, definitely. They moved. um, I heard a lot of music through my parents, just Albanian cultural music and folk music, stuff like that. My sisters were the ones who were into just what was culturally cool at the time. So I remember, like, the Nelly CD 
I remember listening to Usher, Tyler Cruz, stuff like that. And then once I got into high school, my older cousin, Bruce, he was the one who introduced me to hip hop. And I was like, wow, this stuff is so cool. Like there's a story within it. There's, it's literally poems, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then around that time, like eighth grade, ninth grade is when I really started dating in high school. So I guess it was just other people introducing me to it. And then of course I played music. I played trombone and saxophone um, in middle school. So yeah, I think it was just a combination of all of those. I also played saxophone in middle school. Great instrument. It's a funny instrument. So tell me about the Albanian heritage because I personally know nothing. I don't even know where it is. I don't even know the flag colors. Like I know nothing. Is it important to you at all? Uh, yeah, a lot growing up especially. So Albania is a poor country in Eastern Europe. It's bordered by Greece, Macedonia. So around that area, close to Italy too as well from one side. But being a poor country and my parents coming from there, I'd go visit with them and my sisters about every two to three summers. And that helped me gain a lot of perspective and how grateful I am to be in America and the opportunities I have here. So that kind of added a chip on my shoulder for sure, because I know how it was for them. And my parents, even though it was a poor country, like they lived a fine life, they weren't rich by any means, but they were living comfortably and stuff. So for them to give up their professions, my mom was a teacher, my dad owned a business and stuff to come here and be blue collar workers. It definitely is a chip on my shoulder. Like I have something to prove, I have something to do it for. So I love Albania. I went back uh, two summers ago for my sister's wedding actually. Oh wow, that's so beautiful. But yeah, I love going there. Definitely is a big part of my identity. I don't talk about it as much anymore, as much as I used to, just because of other stuff taking over. But it is something I constantly think of for sure. Definitely. Do you think that your perspective of like America is different from the rest of your family because they all came after being born and, and like you were born into America? 100%. And at first I used to be frustrated with my parents not getting it, how I see things. But at this point I realized I, I shouldn't expect them to. No one's ever going to understand my perspective of how things are here, how tough it is here for an immigrant with like immigrant parents, blah, 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 or how stuff should be. Like some stuff my parents do that I don't like that I think, oh, this could be done differently. But in the end, like they gave me their whole lives. So at this point, I'm not as worried about how they don't see things. I just want to enjoy time with them. 100%. And I also think there's something to be said about like conversations with people from a different generation, not to convince them of anything or change their mind, but just to like have that conversation, you know, just to provide insight into your life. You know, instead of like, instead of like coming at your parents and being like, why are you not seeing it like this? It's definitely like this. You can just be like, oh, you know, I look at it this way in case you guys want to know, you know? Does that make yeah. any sense? I'm thinking of like politics, obviously, but that's kind of- No, yeah, definitely. It is a agree to disagree type thing. Yeah. But having those conversations is very important to just challenge your own perspective because if you can't support it, then it's not really a, a valid perspective. You know what 100%. I mean? And what do they think about you moving to LA? It sounds like you guys are all really close. Was it kind of a, a tear on the relationships in any way? Uh, it was definitely tough for my mom, I think, but they weren't stopping me by any means. They were supportive. Like they wanted me to chase my dreams and stuff. Um, but my parents actually haven't visited LA yet. Okay. They were, they were meaning to in March, but then COVID hit and everything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've been pretty independent as far as that regard. I, I try to go back often, probably once every two to three months, to see them and stuff. But yeah, they were supportive, but it was definitely tough on my mom. Like I remember when I was moving out the morning of my flight, I'm like taking my boxes and stuff to the door or just my luggage and stuff. And I turn around to grab one more and my mom just standing there crying and that really like tugged on me. And that's for sure something I'll never forget, just that picture in my mind. And then just hopping on the plane alone. And that was, the, and I don't usually crack like mentally or anything, but when I was on that plane alone, one way ticket and stuff, that's when I cracked. I just started bawling, crying and stuff because I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know anyone at USC or anything. 
So it is definitely, it is weird just seeing that now compared to where I am now. Like, mm. oh damn, how far shit has changed and how far I've come. The hindsight, bro, that story gave me goosebumps. I, uh, I, I distinctly remember the exact same situation. It's like your mom's helping you move out. She's like giving you all of her energy and time and she's supportive of everything. And then like in that one instant, like when you're really leaving, like that's when I saw my mom like really break down for the first time. And I was like, oh shit, like this is more real than we were letting, like letting ourselves believe it is, you know, like I'm leaving, leaving. And yeah. the one-way ticket is a really interesting, uh, it's like a metaphor in my opinion, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going. Like, I don't know when I'm coming yeah, back. No, I don't round, know, yeah. no return date or nothing. I don't nothing. know when it's I'm like coming I'm back. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to make it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And how has your experience at USC and LA been? I know before we started recording, you were talking about the culture difference and the West Coast LA vibe is very different from, at least for me, Delaware. I'm sure it is Chicago. How was it like starting to fit in and, and also coming in not meeting it or not knowing anybody? I, I, I'm very familiar with that feeling. What was it like trying to start to brand out? Did you come in as a true freshman? Yeah, I came in as a true freshman. Okay. Uh, initially, it was extremely tough because I didn't know anybody. For people who have met people from LA and people from literally anywhere else besides the West Coast, uh, there's a big culture shock. So I was really unfamiliar with the way people spoke, people acted. And there is that stereotypical fake, nice LA vibe and stuff. And that is definitely true to an extent. And I wasn't familiar with that at all. A lot of my friends comment on how real I am and stuff like that. So getting used to that stuff and not taking it personally, just figuring out like, who can I actually be real friends with instead of just people I hang out with? That stuff definitely took a while. And for the first semester or two, literally until like May of my freshman year, I just, I wasn't a fan of like staying in LA, I always wanted to go back home and stuff because I feel like I was lonely. I hadn't figured it out. But then by May of that year, I was like, oh, I actually kind of figured it out by now. Like I have a solid core group of friends, which is so, so important to just not feeling lonely and knowing there are other people who relate to you. There are other people from the Midwest who come to USC and be like, damn, this shit's so different. Like <laughs> yeah. my friends back home will never understand it. And again, they're not supposed to, but it's just like, at least there's someone to talk about that stuff with or else you're going to lose your mind. So yeah, it was definitely tough initially, but Obviously now I figured it out and yeah, I love it now. You know, now it's, it's work, work, work. But then when I go home, I love just seeing everyone and stuff. So definitely. I love getting back and just seeing people I haven't seen in a long time. But what was like the USC vibe for you? For me, I can say that like, it's so funny to think back. I just graduated. I haven't said on the podcast. So hey, celebration. Congrats. Hey, we love that. I just finished classes on Tuesday and I'm officially done. But it is funny to like look back on what it was like coming here. Like I remember feeling like mystified by by just this like sentiment of walking down the street of USC, you know? Like I remember being like, oh wow, like a lot of crazy stuff has happened here and I hope that I can like play a part in that. Did But it also added like uh, a feeling of self-pressure. Like I kept telling myself like, oh, I've made it to USC. It's now like important that it pays off in some way, you know? Did, did you have any feeling like that at all? Yeah, I knew I couldn't quit or go back because that's in my eyes, a failure to me. And I still think it would have been a failure. I knew I had to just tough it out and eventually it started clicking. I think what, that was a great example, just walking down USC, whether it's campus or Figaro or anything, it's kind of surreal, just like, oh shit, I fucking live in LA. Yes. Like I, I still, I promise you, I still think about that shit just when I drive around or Uber around is I just look out the window. I'm like, damn, I actually live here. And then <laughs> as far as the, as far as the vibe at USC, it's just super preppy for sure. Obviously, a lot of kids came from a lot of money, which I wasn't familiar with. So it's just getting used to that and how to interact with those types of people. Because where I grew up, it was just pretty stereotypical, like middle class kids in the suburbs, just 
being idiots and just having fun really totally same way money for me and it's funny because like money to me back home is like way less than money to me here like if you have money here it's like oh shit you have money yeah it's like being rich versus being wealthy like here yes this is wealth you know what i mean it's generational whereas home is just like oh yeah that's that's Timmy. He has the <laughs> yeah. he has the fat house. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like his dad has a BMW or the Range Rover, and he pulls up to school thinking he's the shit. You know what I mean? Yes, a hundred percent. Like there's levels agree. to this shit, and there's just whole different levels. So totally. And and coming to USC really did open up that like uh, wide end of the other side of the spectrum for me. So I totally get that. Uh, but then I also want to just touch on briefly like your class experience because something we relate on heavily is like we actually really enjoyed our classes. Like I think a lot of people go to college and it's not something that they walk away thinking like, oh, I really had fun in my classes. But I feel like for me, it was like, I didn't care about the work. We hardly got any work just to say. Yeah. And additionally, like I really enjoyed bantering with my peers and my professors in class. Like there was no raised hands. It was just like, speak up. If you have something to say, we'll all discuss it. You know, like we'll have a group conversation. Did that prov- uh, provide value to you in any way? Did it feel different than maybe like, a, I came from a public high school where it was way different. Right. Uh, when I came initially, I knew my major wasn't really going to do much for me because it's music industry, like real talk. It's just like, it's not really a real major in my eyes. Um, I just knew I needed to move to LA and that I figure out the rest. I did the college experience. I meet people, something would click and it did. But as far as the music industry major, I'll be honest, I was disappointed initially because my thoughts when I first came were, oh, everyone here is going to be way smarter than me have done way more stuff than me. Whereas in reality, I, that wasn't the case at all, to be quite honest. It was just a lot of kids who maybe had connections through their parents or stuff like that, or their parents were record execs and stuff. So that was a bit disappointing, but I definitely have made a few solid friends in the major who I really, really like, as opposed to, I think more people probably have more friends through, their, through the music industry major, whereas I was just focused on just a few intense connections. But as far as the classes, I think initially they were super helpful because it just teaches a lot of stuff you don't want to have to get taught like basic terms and just how the business works. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's your master side and then there's your publishing side, just stuff like that where you don't want to have to be taught it because when those conversations occur in the real world, you don't want to have to ask what's a publisher or, oh, what do you mean the points on the master? Stuff like that. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. So as far as an intro, it was super helpful. And then as time went on later, I don't really think it was that helpful as far as class content but more just the people in there and talking to people and stuff. We had the artist management class together. I don't really think I learned that much. I learned a few facts that I'll definitely remember regarding like merchandise, especially from that class. But as far as, wow, I learned a shit ton from that class, nah. Do I remember talking about Taylor Swift getting her master sold to Scooter Braun and having a great conversation about that and talking to all the Taylor Swift fans in there and like pressing them and shit? Yeah, I remember that. And that shit was funny as fuck, to be honest. And I, I love it. But as far as like actual class content, like, nah, I, I didn't think it was that helpful, to be honest. But again, I wouldn't have done it differently. USC was a sandbox to just get to LA and not feel like there's so much pressure. It's like, all right, I'm in college. I got four years to figure it out. And it, t- it didn't take the whole four years. But knowing that there was that safety net and sandbox and still some sense of normalcy, meaning like a college experience, was definitely needed. Because if I came in here just like interning somewhere or some shit, I would have been alone. It would have been hard to meet people. I would have been like, damn, all my friends back home are in college and I'm here just like, working type shit. It just, it would have been too much for me, I think. Yeah, bro. I, it's incredible how much I resonate with what you're saying. Like, uh, so I came in as a transfer, not as a true freshman. And, and it's actually quite interesting what you said. It gave me a new perspective. So like I went to a school in New Jersey also for music industry and I went for two years. What's rule? 
It was called Rowan University. Okay. It's low key, and I always say this, and it's really disrespectful to everybody there. But the vibe was like people who couldn't afford or get into Rutgers, they went to Rowan. <laughs> and, and so like, and, and so I just came from Delaware. I was an out of state kid. I didn't know that was the situation. And what I went for was this brand new music program. Like my first semester was like the second or third semester of it existing. Mm-hmm. So I was really like excited to be a part of something brand new, but. I was excited for the exact same reasons you're saying. Like, I was like, oh shit, this is a whole lot of new information. Like, I know nothing about the music industry. I'm so excited to learn all this. So that by the time I got to USC, it was like, oh, I already know all this. I'm just here to fuck around and meet people. You know what I'm saying? Literally. I'm just here to build connections. I'm just here to like grow my network. So I totally understand and, and relate to what you're saying. And there was something else that I wanted to touch on that you said, but I can't remember. Something about, I can't remember, but bantering with the students. Taylor Swift? Something about that. I think I that know. is like- That shit was funny. To yeah, like we do talk about a lot of really like real life things at USC. And I think that was a huge difference for me between USC and New Jersey was that in New Jersey was like, there was no textbook, but it was kind of like you're learning from what would be a textbook, just like general knowledge. And at USC, it's like, oh, people are actively working. Like all of our professors are currently doing- like doing the shit that they're talking about. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that's always interesting to me because I always wonder how the music industry program is at other schools. This yeah. is like, bro, we live in LA, so it's it's different. Whereas I wonder, do they just talk about what happens in LA like all the time? I Whereas think so. do we just avoid that because we're here? Like we know what happens? Well, I wonder if it's like because we're in LA, it's the main subject. But like, what if you're in Nashville? Like, do you talk about LA or do you talk about like Nashville? True. I, I you don't know what know. I mean? Like, is the end goal for like every kid at Rowan University like, oh, you guys are going to learn this stuff and then you're going to move to LA. Like, I don't fucking know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. But yo, I'm kind of seeing, tell me if you agree with this on a completely different like tangent. Are you seeing like a grand exit right now of a lot of people from these major cities or hearing about anything like that? I keep hearing about like celebrities that I idolize who are much older. So it's a very different culture, like leaving the cities and going to different places now, like that aren't so overwhelmingly busy. I think I have heard, honestly, I heard it for about the first time, like two weeks. Nah, I take that back. My, my Golden's a big fan of Miami, right? Okay. And he was talking about it. Um, and obviously we'll talk about him later, but he was saying like, bro, I want to move to Miami at some point. Like the music scene's growing there. People are getting tired of LA. And I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of sense that at times. Like LA is just the same shit. It's the same club, same people, literally everywhere. It doesn't matter who it is. And then I've always had this conversation with my friends about just moving back home and like how LA is very temporary. It's just only for your 20s type thing. And then I see like Lil Bibby who um, signed Juice World and Kid Leroy. He tweets out, I'm moving back to Chicago. I feel like I'm losing my soul in LA. And I'm like, damn it. I knew I wasn't fucking crazy. Like, bro, I knew I wasn't crazy. Like if this, if Lil Bibby says it, like I know, bro, I knew I wasn't like just tripping. I was on to something. And then I see Jack Harlow who posts on his story. I definitely want to raise my kids in Louisville, Kentucky, where he's from. It's like, there's definitely a reoccurring pattern of this. Don't get me wrong. LA is fun as fuck, especially because I'm young. But no way I live here in the long term. So I think it's a, when I talk to people who aren't from LA, who are here, they're all definitely like, not all, but a lot of them are like, yeah, trying to move back at some point. But then there are some who get sucked in by it or just genuinely like LA. It's just, I can't tell which one it is, but yeah, yes. definitely have noticed that. I think once you get stuck in a routine, whether it be your career or your family or whatever, you you can find yourself being stuck in a place you don't like. And that's kind of, in relation to what I was just saying, like I think people get here and they're like, oh, this is lit. I'll hang out indefinitely. And then it's like, oh, I'm worn away. I'm losing my soul. As you said, little baby said, like whatever it is, I completely agree. I always ask people like, when I have them on the podcast, I'm like, do you think you would have kids in LA? And never, it, and never. And I've said that since the day I moved yeah. here and I still say that. No, not a chance. I kind of feel the same way. It, it would be a very weird vibe. God, like, I'd be so disappointed in them. 
like they, they they'd be like the worst kids ever they would have no self-awareness yes. they wouldn't know like what the real world is like like bro i promise you the like i'm not talking to you just indirectly yes yes most like the world's not revolve around la don't get me wrong hella shit goes on here but most people in the world just go on with their daily lives without thinking about la sure they might hear the music on the radio that came out of la but <laughs> yeah. like we, no one really cares you know what i mean i like, love what you that said that liberal elite shit and don't be wrong i'm a left i'm on the left wing for sure but that liberal elite shit is something that needs to be fixed is people who think they live in la or on the coast and think they're better than everyone else like yes bruh I, most people just do not care and that's that's just having self-awareness from being raised in the midwest i think i was so have you else. traveled a lot throughout our country uh i've been to new york a few times i've been to miami a few times i've been to most midwestern states but not not particularly. I, I did take a road trip for in the summer before I moved to USC with three of my best friends. Shout out Mickey, Justin, Emma, in case they're listening. But they better. Yeah, I hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, we took a road trip from Chicago to LA just to move in all my stuff to a storage unit and just see USC for the first time because I got accepted and I committed without ever visiting the school. Definitely not a good choice in retrospect. I would recommend anyone visit their school before they commit. It all worked out, but. Yeah, uh, we road tripped that shit, and that shit was crazy. Just seeing like the Grand Canyon, which just looked fake. It looked like a green screen, and just seeing all these other flyover states, and then just the western states for the first time. I remember just going out in Arizona. It was like two a.m. We're filling up with gas. I step outside the car. It's like one hundred ten degrees. I'm like, bro, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> like, how, it was just something I was never used to. I'd never seen this part of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that that's basically my experience. I haven't traveled that much, but I'm sure tour. When it comes, will definitely change my life perspective a lot. Hundred percent. I can't wait to hear about you going on tour. I have been fortunate enough to be able. I mean, I haven't been to like nearly as many states as I'd like to get to, but I've been to many states just from going to festivals with my father. Like I mentioned, we have the kitchen. Yeah, and it is a. It's like I love what you said about like people don't care about L.A. because until I got to L.A., it was like never even a thought process, you know. Exactly. And nobody ever talked about it, you know. And people from everywhere, like they have their own shit going on. Um, I don't know what my point is here, but I do think like there's a lot to be said about everybody. Oh yeah, like the single mom who's struggling to make ends meet doesn't care about what happens in LA, whereas everyone here thinks this is all that matters in the world because yeah. these are the most famous people, the most wealthy people. Exactly. Which is like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of influence here, but it, does it really affect day-to-day lies as much as you think? I don't think so. Do you think we truly are in a more uh, celebrity-involved culture today than we have been in the past, or do you think it's just a new form of it with social media? I think part of it is definitely just social media because celebrities are so much accessible. I remember it being a thing when I was younger, just like before the internet was really popping. People would be like, oh, this actor died and there'd be no way to confirm it because you don't know. You just have to wait until they pop up in a movie or whatever. But I am starting to notice a trend, especially on Twitter, of just people saying, yo, celebrities are normal people. They aren't this fucking cool. Stop praising them. Stop taking their opinions on everything. So I think that just goes hand in hand with our generation just being disfazed by literally everything that's going on in this world. So True. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I, I don't think I can give a good answer on it. But I wanted your perspective because I feel like you are now entering the world of more influential people, social media clout, if you will. And so I was curious what you would think about that. I do think we are in like a, a state of over-obsession with celebrity culture. Just like you said, like people worshiping people's opinions just because they have more followers. Like, what does right. that mean? And actually, it's interesting. I heard this on another podcast, the Impulsive Podcast. We now verify what is fact. Maybe not we, like you and me, but like we as a people verify what is fact versus not fact based on 
how many people engaged with it. Like if you see a retweet online and it has like a million retweets, you are now more likely to think that that's a real fact compared to the thing that has like a thousand retweets, even if it's the opposite, you know, even if the opposite is true. And so I find that to be the case with the celebrity culture as well. Like if you find someone that has like 5 million followers, for some reason, people think that what they say is like factual. It's like, why? That's definitely true. I didn't think about it in that way, the retweet thing. Because if you see something with a million, you're like, oh, a million of these people probably like vouched for it exactly. or they checked or something like that. I think it's definitely more prevalent within um within older crowds. I think like the younger crowd, meaning our generation and younger people, are starting to become just unfazed or disfazed, whatever, by celebrities. But I don't know. I could be wrong. It could just be a social media bubble. So I don't know. Perhaps I, I think because maybe you're in LA, you might have that perspective. But like the 12, yeah, that also could the, be the twelve year old in Kansas. Like if he sees Ninja online, like that's he worships Ninja. Yeah, you know, like right? he's a god to him. You know, exactly. he doesn't see him. He literally doesn't see him as a person. Exactly, like, he doesn't think he's like a physical human. Exactly, thing, so. and I fear that for a lot of the younger generation right now. Um, but anyway, I'd love to get more back into your story because we haven't even gotten into what I consider like the the new current peak, if you will. You know, like what's going on. So you talked about meeting a core group of people at USC, people that you trust. Tell me about that experience. Like what stood out to your new friends as like being worth not being worth, but like when you found a group of people, what attracted you to them and why? And then moving forward, like how did you expand your circle? So it was honestly just through my floor. So my main core group of friends at, from USC are like yeah. Assad, Phil, uh, Yassine, Simon. And then there's some others that I talk to as well, often like Ibrahim and them. But meeting that core group of friends who I lived with and stuff was just through just my, just my floor, really. And I think I resonated with them based off like where they were from. So Phil's from St. Louis. I'm from Chicago. We relate on so many things. And we have this, the same conversation literally every time we hang out about how life is so different, how life's changing so much, especially compared to back home, stuff like that. So I think I related with those friends more just based off their perspectives because um, they know that they know what LA is compared to the rest of the world, stuff like that. So yeah, it was just me and them on my floor. And I'm blessed to have put in that position where I met them instantly rather than never finding them. You know what I mean? Of course. And did you guys start working on stuff right away? So they actually don't do music that much, but they don't really do music or anything, but Yassine does. And I filmed the, I produced the Bitch I Go to USC music video in like April or whatever, a freshman year right. with Yassine and Golden. And I remember that being so cool to me because it's like, yo, we're doing this, like our group of friends, we're doing this, and this is gonna be seen by like the whole school. People are gonna point to this by like, people are always gonna point to this even after we graduate, like we're making a mark in history and stuff. 100%. Like, and that was such a cool experience because from picking the locations to who's gonna be in it, stuff like that is like, damn, this is gonna go on in history. Now it has like a quarter million views on YouTube or whatever, half a million on SoundCloud, all that noise. Yeah, so that. it's like, damn, this is lit. This is like my mark in USC history. Like no matter what happens, like this is something I did, so. We didn't really start working instantly or anything, but it's like as time picked up and we got more comfortable with each other, that stuff definitely started happening. Did Pure Luxury jump on that track later? He jumped on it. Uh, no, he recorded it. He has a verse on there, but he wasn't on. He wasn't in the video or anything. Right. And speaking of the video, I love that story because I had heard of it and I thought it was so cool. And then it got even, it skyrocketed in attention when it became like banned, quote unquote. What, uh, what yeah, you, yeah, yeah. What when, even happened? Uh, that, that wasn't really genuine, I'd say. No, Golden didn't get kicked out or anything, but of course. Um, yeah, I remember there got there was some tension from that. People thinking he got kicked out because of the video or whatever, blah blah blah. 
but but it was it was nothing. It was literally nothing. No, yeah, it wasn't anything. To be oh honest. wow, I yeah. actually thought that. But there it was... worked. I mean, if it got your attention, you know what I That's mean. That's what so... I'm saying. I was gonna <laughs> actually ask you, like, did that play off, or like play into your marketing? It sounds like it did, and you didn't even do anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. And then so then was that like the beginning of your relationship with 24K? I'd love to start divulging into this. As far as our work relationship, definitely yeah. for sure. So. I started working with Golden first on the Bitch I Go to music, USC music video. We were friends before that and everything. We had already planned to live with each other and all that noise. But then once we moved in with each other our sophomore year, right after he had dropped out, that's when we really started working together with each other because Valentino blew up like the second week after we moved in with each other. We were obviously with each other like 24-7. So I, I was forgot able to help. about that song, bro. Yeah, and then just because of that, I was like, yo, if you ever need help, like let me know. I'd love to. And then just from there, we just started doing stuff through the release party um, for his EP, ran a lot of his marketing on Google and TikTok and stuff like that. So yeah, it just blew up from there, really. just We got more and more comfortable with each other, more and more trust in each other. And now here we are, you know what I mean? Who else is on the team? And, and what is your like specific like role, if you will, or roles? Is so I help out with his day-to-day management. And then when tour is back, I'll be his tour manager. Oh, yeah. That's fucking fire. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great time. Definitely really busy and a lot of work, but it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Uh, yeah, so I help out with his day-to-day. As far as m- his team, we have the day-to-day manager right now. Her name is Andale. We have his manager, manager, uh, Austin Rosen, who also manages Post Malone. We have another like, uh, okay. consulting manager just on day-to-day. Her name is Stretch. Uh, videographer, Orlandito and Jay. And yeah, that's that's pretty much like the core. When and then did- his creative director, B. When did his name, you said Austin, right? The manager? Correct. Austin Rosen. When did he join the 24K team? Austin came into the picture uh, like March of last year. Okay. More, yeah, March of last year, maybe a little bit earlier. Or was it this year? I don't know. It was just like a few months after Valentino, like okay. around that same time type thing. So yeah, that's when they came in. He runs Electric Feel. We're going signed to for management. How has and that's that, where I'm uh, also working at. What's up? Oh, you are? Yeah. yeah, yeah. How has that... Uh, changed the process if you will by having a manager like that definitely a lot more support and muscle to get things we want done because we knew the music was always there like the music was always really good it's just we needed more support from the industry of course so having a power player like that was super big and just getting contact getting in contact with people getting things done having legitimacy just whenever you meet people like oh this is my manager so it kind of like vouches for the music in itself in a way so tell me about Valentino, because when you say that, I'm not reminded of anything super strong, but what I am reminded of is like, it blew up huge. Like, that's where I found out about, you know, I was like, oh shit, this is about to be like a thing. You know, like 24K's career is like, it's happening now, you yeah. know, like when Valentino came out. And then many months later, it like blew up again on TikTok, right? So it, it dropped originally in like January of 2019. And it got like 2 million views or whatever on YouTube and stuff, but it didn't really do anything. Then it blew up on TikTok in like August, September-ish. And that's when it went really crazy. So like, why? Why do you think that? There is this girl. Her name is Aviva. She's like an e-girl, if you're familiar. I'm not. Uh, just I, know, like, I know e-girl. I don't know her. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I, I don't really know how to explain e-girl. Like, I think about that stuff often. Like, how the fuck would I explain this to my parents? Like, I really don't know how to. But she was an e-girl. She made like a dance to it and it just took off from there, really. She was the first one to do it. That had a spark with it. So it took off on TikTok. People were doing like the dance to it and stuff. Yeah. And then it translated to Spotify. We got playlists and stuff. We got rap caviar, which is for sure like the peak as far as rap playlists on Spotify besides today's top hits. True. 
Uh, and then it charted on Billboard Top 100. It was like top 40 Spotify at some point. Yeah, it just it went crazy, and it was super super cool because it 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 was validating in the fact that we knew Valentino was a hit, but it is a bit discouraging at first when it drops like and it doesn't blow up. It's like what I I swear this is a hit, and then we got that exposure. It's like all right, we knew we know we're capable of this. Now let's keep going. And yeah, dude, that must be such a surreal feeling, you know, like. I can only imagine the feeling of putting it out and as you say, it not going crazy, but like, I bet it did pretty much like go crazy pretty quickly. Like, I feel like the numbers probably were really huge when it first came out. Was that not the case? Uh, not really. It had like 2 million YouTube views and like a few million on Spotify it had like five or 7 million Spotify, but I wouldn't consider that crazy. I mean, but I guess in some people it would. Like, to me, that's pretty a big deal, but I do understand what you mean. Like it didn't, it didn't like create the career you were hoping for. Right, you know? like That's what you were correct. hoping. Uh, you were hoping to like go off tour off of this or something like that. Right. Um, so I totally understand. And then the feeling of the TikTok girl, I mean, did you guys see her do that video or did you just start to see like all of the uh, positives happening from it afterward? We saw the positives happening yeah. and Golden was trying to figure out, he's like, yo, where the fuck is this coming yeah, from? Yeah, exactly. And then, I don't know how, but traced it down to her and it's like, whoa, that's crazy. Like she literally helped make his career. And it, it was definitely a surreal feeling like, People knew like from back home that I had a rapper friend or whatever, and there wasn't much thought given to it. But then when I started hearing them like, yo, I'm hearing his song, like I'm seeing it on TikTok, I'm like, whoa, that's fucking crazy. Yes. Because now it's blown up outside of my own bubble at USC out of LA and stuff, where people at USC definitely knew him and maybe LA a little bit. But then it's like, bro, every people are seeing bro, this song. That is specifically why I asked, because I remember hearing Valentino being like, oh, this is really cool. And then I went home and I was in New Jersey and it just like came on my phone and my friends were like, oh, I fuck with this song, like that kid 24K. And I was like, whoa. Like I was yeah. like, I was like, whoa, like this is really exciting for them, you know? And I, it made me giddy and I'm not even on the team. So I just yeah. knew that you guys were feeling incredible. That, yeah, for sure. Like there was a lot of love from USC after he started blowing. I can't say the same before. I feel like he was definitely treated as a meme in some aspects from, from USC people, which whatever, like that's how it always goes. You know what I mean? Like people fuck with you once you blow up or whatever. Definitely. But, but do you, how do you mean meme? Because- I sort of know what you mean, but like uh, my counterpoint would be like we all had to throw those shows for Mike Garcia's class where it's like everybody has to go throw a real concert around the town. Yeah. And I feel like 24K was on every single lineup and he also like drew in the whole crowd. Like everybody wanted to see him. And this was before the TikTok. Right. Know? I think it's different because everyone knows him. He like he makes he made decent music, um, likable person, personality, all that stuff. I guess meme is different in that. I heard someone say at Spud Nuts, like, oh, 24K Golden's a meme. Or, for example, at concert committee back before I was a director, I brought tickets for a giveaway because they would do ticket giveaways all the time. And it was like for trivia. Whoever answers the trivia question correctly gets these tickets. And I remember <laughs> they announced that the tickets were for, he was opening up for Landon Cube. He's like, these tickets are for Landon Cube and 24K Golden. And when she said 24K Golden, director, people started laughing. And I remember just being so pressed at that moment. Oh. And I was like, y'all can laugh now, but like, it's not going to be funny in a year. Because in a year, people are going to be like, oh my God, I'm so proud of him. Like, I watched him blow up. He went to my school, blah, blah, blah. Which is exactly what happened. Of course. And again, you, again, you can't get mad at them for it. That's, this is how that shit always goes. But I don't forget stuff like that, especially how it made me feel. So, Bro, I bet that was a really weird But story. I can't say that was the case for everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, some people were definitely showing genuine love from the start. So shout out them. They know no, you're obviously are. not trying to generalize, but I agree with what you're saying. I, I found like as a hobbyist, I put out music and there's like a huge boundary you have to cross if like, 
being recognized by people who already know you and then starting to be recognized by people who don't know you because it's going to be received way differently. You know, like by people who know you, they're like, oh, it's this kid I know and he's putting out a song. Cool, LOL, if you will. It's a meme. But then it's like, as random people who don't know 24K hear the song, they're like, oh shit, this is a rapper. You know? Like, this is an artist. From a person who makes music to a musician. musician Yes, exactly. And I think that's huge. So what was your guys' immediate thought of like, we need to start doing this now. Like, we're blowing up on TikTok. What do we do next? And this was pre-COVID. Correct. So it was probably a totally different mindset. We we had a conversation. I was like, and he actually posted about it on his Instagram story. But um, it was like, yo, we have the leverage right now. We're having a moment. How do we seize this moment to the max? And there wasn't anything super conclusive. He posted that question on his Instagram too. And we, I was just looking through what people swiped up and stuff. There wasn't anything super conclusive that we came up with. But it's like, yo, we have a hit. People know our names. All we got to do is engage with fans and hopefully keep making hits. Because anyone can have one hit, you know what I mean? It's very common. And I heard that a lot. Like, oh, he got one, now he needs another. And then we did. But it was just, all right, if we did a second one and just keep building that brand, then we'd be successful. And we definitely did it the reverse way. Most people build a fan base and then they did the hits. We got the hits first. And then the fan base was being harnessed in from those. So definitely... A weird way of doing it. It's just how it happened. You know? no, I don't even think it's that weird, especially in the new era of like unlimited access with social media and everything like that. So is the next song that you're referring to, is it games on your phone? So I next hit I would say is City of Angels that has like 100 okay. million or 150, whatever on Spotify. And it was more of an international hit than in the US. It's only gold in the US. But I think that's just more to the nature of the song. It's more of a pop rock song. It's easier to understand what he's saying if you don't speak English. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, versus Valentino, which is heavily autotune based and stuff. But yeah, then we got City of Angels as a second hit. So all right, we got two hits. We're doing something right. You Clearly. definitely make good music. You know what I mean? And then the third major one obviously came with Mood, Billboard number one and all that. And that yeah. just like sealed the deal. Because before people would say like, oh, Golden blew up. Yes, City of Angels, Valentino. I'd be like, eh, I don't, I don't really think he broke yet. But now with Mood, it's like, yeah, like, we had the biggest song in the world. Like, yeah, I mean... That's such a crazy statement. Like, he broke. You know yeah, I mean? you just said that out loud. It gave me goosebumps, bro. Like, you guys really still kind of, like, have the biggest song in the world. Like, yeah. it's still really fucking big. Uh, tell me about... So, how how closely intimate are you with, like, the recording process at, at all? No, honestly, not at all. Yeah. And I try not to just because... Omer Fetty, he's uh, Roland's main producer and stuff. He, play, he does guitar on Mood, City of Angels, all that stuff. He okay. helps arrange the music. He is just a musical genius to me, and he's definitely a big curator and leader in Golden Sound. And I have so much respect for him where I try to just be as hands-off as possible. Like, whatever he thinks is right or whatever Golden thinks is right, they know way better than me. Like, I don't make music, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I try to stay as hands-off as possible. I'll definitely give my input on songs, whether I think it's good or bad, or, like, at, like what could be changed or whatever. Mm. But at this point, it's just like, all right, y'all are making number one global hits. <laughs> Y'all can do whatever the fuck you 100%, want. 100%. You know I mean? And I think that's great. I think uh, I have moments to myself where I think about like, oh, one day I hope to have all this money, but I hope that I don't have to sit around and do all the accounting work. And and my point being like, it's really important to have a team that you trust. You know, like I'd love yeah. to be able to just sit aside and let other people do <laughs> let other people do the work that I don't want to do, you know? And in this case, it's really important work that we're referring to, the recording of number one hits. But so then- uh, tell me about, like, I feel like you probably do have a lot more information regarding like the business and the connections like that. Was Ian Dior initially supposed to be on the song? Tell me about securing him and tell me about, I assume there was a lot of TikTok marketing. Tell me about that process. So they were definitely friends beforehand and everything just through music and stuff like that. And they had made songs before, but none ever came out. 
Whereas this was just super organic. They were at Ian's house. Uh, Omer, who I was talking about earlier, him and KBZ, who was another producer on the song, they're like, yo, let's cook something up. So Golden and Ian are playing Call of Duty or whatever. And then they just start cooking. And then Roland just starts seeing the mood just like subconsciously in his head. Like, why are you always in a mood? Really? And Omer's like, hold on, stop, stop, stop. You got to go up and lay that down. So he comes, lays it down, like forms the hook and everything. Ian comes down, come do, comes and does his verse and uh, pre-chorus. Roland does his chorus, I mean, his hook. And it's just like, I mean, his verse, my bad. And it's just, it was super quick and super organic. Again, I wasn't there. This was during quarantine in like April. Okay. But I've been told this story at least 20, 30 times from interviews <laughs> and just personally and stuff. So yeah, it was just super organic. And I think stuff like that is important because everyone in that room was friends with each other from KBZ to Omer to Golden to Ian. And when you're friends with each other, you're being more comfortable with each other. And you can say, yo, that's really good. Or, oh, this could be done better type stuff. Definitely. Whereas with when it's more of a work relationship, you may be more hesitant to critique someone. So I think stuff like that, just having a genuine relationship and being friends is what led to it being a really good song. Yeah, I completely agree. And then when did you start to see like the attention rise from it? When did, when did it come out? It came out July 24th of 2020. Um, there were, they, had, we teased snippets on Instagram a lot and there was a lot of good reaction to the snippets and that's a really good indicator of how a song is going to do. So we knew it was like, oh, this could be something. Now we didn't think it'd be billboard number of one, course, yeah, of course. number one song in the world. I was like, yo, this is a really good song objectively. Like people objectively liked the song and there was good fan reaction from it within Ian's fan base and Golden's fan base. So then it drops it does. It's slowly doing well on playlists, stuff like that. We ran a TikTok campaign for it, but this was like the first song where it blew up without, not without TikTok, but it blew up first, and then TikTok kind of just added onto it. Yeah, I kind of say like, "What's popping?" is a similar song in that aspect. So okay. that was cool. Just like, yo, you broke out the TikTok bubble, which is huge for gaining legitimacy, especially within the industry, and just not even within the industry, just within fans. You know what I mean? Like yes. changing it from oh, it's twenty four K goal into TikTok rapper. To, oh, 24K goal, and he's cool as fuck. I fuck with him. Yeah. So that, that was super big and helped right. me do that. And we're, that's something we're still working on for sure. Don't get me wrong. But that was super reassuring. But yeah, it just worked its way through the playlist. And for people who don't know how playlists worked, like you move up in playlists and get onto bigger playlists. If people listen to the song for a long time or an entirety, they replay it, they keep revisiting, stuff like that. So yeah, it, it was just a really, really good song. And it just the rest happens, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that is very rare, but we were fortunate for it. And so I remember talking about like it rising up the billboard charts, but I, I didn't see like the exact moment it hit number one because I remember going back and forth with Wyatt. We were talking about like, oh, I said it's number one, but then we looked again and it said it was number 10 or something. So it was just like confusing. But then do you remember like the moment that you secured the number one spot? 100%. Tell me about that. So, at first, it hit number one Spotify, which was cool to us. Like we all started. Ha- that's when we started saying number one song. I think in the that world. was the confusion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because we started saying it. No, you should. Don't be wrong. Like there are de- there's definitely arguments against it. But we didn't go fuck. Just like yeah. we got number one on Spotify. That's the biggest streaming platform. Fuck, fuck yeah. it. We got the number one. But the day it hit number one Billboard, so within the group, within the team, and the group chats and stuff, I would always give the Billboard predictions, and I was like super accurate for a long time. Like I was on the dot every week, like nine spots up or eight spots up, type type stuff. And then the day before Billboard, actually, before it went number one, I was like, yeah, it should be hit number two tomorrow. And BTS, a Dynamite, like super intense fan base, Korean K-pop and all that shit. I was like, yeah, they'll probably be number one. And then I'm on my phone. I actually wasn't home when it hit. And I live with him, like I said, and Omer and KBZ, the other producers. I wasn't home when it hit number one, but I got the notification on my phone. 
at like 24k gold in END or peak at number one. And at first, I was like, it really wasn't like a holy fuck moment. I was like, oh shit, it actually happened. And then yeah, we so start, I started like processing it. It starts hitting me. I'm like, holy shit, we have like the number one. And then I Uber back home. They're all going crazy. Like they're jumping in the pool and shit, hugging each other and shit. And I go home, open the door and everything. And like me and Golden see each other and we just give each other like a really long hug and embrace each other and shit. And that was Ugh. really, really good moments. Like, damn, bro. Like we, this shit happened way quicker the than we wanted. The hard work paid off though. Yeah, like way quicker than we wanted. It actually happened, you know what I mean? Like this is the number one, the spot people want so bad. And we got it. Just like these, these internet kids. That's why I call us the internet kids. Golden was a huge kid on the internet. I was huge on the internet. It's just like, the internet kids took over Hollywood. You know what I mean? We got the number one. So that, that was just a crazy moment. Yeah. Ugh, surreal, yeah, I can only imagine. Sure. It sounds completely beautiful. Uh, how, it sounds like you guys have really bonded like uh, in terms of like being brothers, not just business partners. Can you speak on like the growth of your relationship over time and the importance that it's played like being open with each other and being friends instead of just business partners? It's a really, really interesting relationship that I don't have with anyone else. Because at first we were just friends and then we were business partners. And then sometimes I have to listen to him. Sometimes he has to listen to me. And it's hard to like, sometimes it's hard to differentiate. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like friends and work. It's hard to differentiate that shit at time. But because I think there's a lot of respect for each other, that's why it works. Because we there is genuine love for each other. So it, it's very interesting and very delicate. Not delicate in the sense of relationship, but it's like we can easily switch from friends mode to, all right, shut the fuck up and listen to me. On both ends, you know what I mean? Vice yeah. versa, whatever. So it's it's really good. It's really cool. It's nothing I have like in with anyone else. So for sure, that's my brother for life. That's beautiful. And I, and I want to touch a little bit quickly on like uh, you mentioned how you're trying to break out of this scene of being re- like called like a TikTok star, a TikTok singer, rapper, yeah. or whatever, you know? And I think that's important. But I also, I had viewed it as a positive because I see like, uh, especially with rap, like the vibe of the music, it changes pretty quickly, like what's hot. And, and we I feel like we are now out of emo rap. Like that was yeah. kind of like the big thing. And now I would call us entering like TikTok rap. Like I do think that's kind of where we are right now. Like songs that are quick and easy to dance to, you know? Um, but I consider 24K a pioneer in the TikTok like rap era. Do you feel the same way? Do you find that to be an insulting term? Uh, and and how do you hope to get out of that that realm? Not at all insulting because in the end he is an OG. I say him and Lil Nas X are really the major. And I, you can put Doja Cat in there are really the major ones to do it from blowing up on TikTok, but making a sustainable career off of it. Yeah, There are so many people who blew up on TikTok, like who him, he made a song with Slink, like, I like you, all that shit. <laughs> I, I probably am never going to hear about that kid again. You know, No disrespect or anything, it's just like, I'm probably not going to. It's very hard to replicate, to turn hits into a career. Yeah, And a lot of songs on TikTok may blow up on TikTok, but they don't translate into streaming. Now, we never experienced that because I think our songs are actually good. But for example, like Renegade, which is probably one of the biggest songs on TikTok ever. <laughs> he did the dance in class, did bro. The, facts, facts. I hit that <laughs> shit. I'm not even gonna lie. People came in and I hit the fuck out of that. that you shit really was did that clean. in front of the whole class. Bro, that shit was clean. I too. forgot about that. But um, that was one of the biggest songs ever to be on TikTok. It didn't do that well streaming wise because people only know it on TikTok for the intro, where the dude's barely even speaking. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like the intro. So, as far as breaking out of that bubble, it's like, It's just making really, if you have enough hits, at some point people are going to respect you, but it's also just people getting to know him better and like, oh, he's actually a really cool person. Anyone who knows him in person knows he's cool as fuck, but we can't meet everyone in the world. So it's better conveying that on the internet, which just takes time. And that's 
through a whole other strategy that could be a whole other podcast. I was takes, just going to say. It takes like so much time. <laughs> yeah. like, there's been so many conversations about this branding and stuff. And I was definitely a big influence in that. And how do we make gold? Like, how do we make him, how do we make his internet personality more reflective of his self? He's already cool. Okay. If he wasn't cool, it would be hard as fuck to make the internet think he's cool. 100%. But because he already is cool, it's just, all right, how do we better convey this on the internet? And there's been hours and hours of conversations about this. And now I think we're doing a really good job at it. And we're still, don't get me wrong, a lot of room to improve, but we're getting way better at it. So I actually have only begun to pay more attention to like the value of bringing the reality to an artist like within the past year or so. And I think it's completely true what you're saying. Like I heard a, a quote, you were there maybe if you were there, but it was in that class with Mike. Uh, we had, uh, damn, I forget fucking his name now, but the Cobra Starship guy, he came in, right? Oh yeah. I don't remember his name. I can't I think of his, his name yeah. anymore. I used to know it, but uh, he said something that I, I think back to all the time. He says, uh, people don't fall in love with the music. People fall in love with the artist. Yeah. Or something like that. Like something along the lines of like, what you really care about is the artist here. And ever since that moment, I've paid more attention to like the brand as you're talking about. And it is crazy how important the brand is. Like everything that goes online is now a part of your brand and people are going to recognize, like pay attention to it and, and sort of like change their opinions on you depending on that. Yep. How, how delicate has that balance been? Have you guys had any like, have you had any negative issues online yet? Like, I feel like, no, like I think you have held a pretty tight brand. Everybody is looking at you guys pretty cool. Why do you think that it needs to be improved even further? I think my opinions changed on it because the pages I would always look at are like the Instagram pages and on those meaning like Instagram gossip, gossip pages, like okay. academics or rap, our generation music. And on those pages, you're not cool unless you're just a hardcore gangster street rapper, like a little baby or some shit like that. So when I see those comments, a lot of them are like, oh, corny industry plant, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, these people are never really going to think we're cool unless we have some major cosign or he's in a rap about the streets, which just isn't like, isn't his thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't mm -hmm. his life. So I think now just be like, Hey, not everyone has to like us or like this crowd doesn't have to like us. You know what I mean? Like that may have been the crowd I grew up with, like being in those Instagram comments or just listening to that type of music. It's now I'm starting to realize we don't, those people don't have to like us. There are billions of other people who will still pay tickets and come out to shows and stuff. So it's definitely been identifying which lane we're trying to pursue. Is it just before it was, might've been like a juice world lane, but now it's more of like a Bruno Mars lane. Maybe, you know what I mean? That's personally what I think he may disagree. Other people may disagree. It's just my opinion on it. Yeah. With, I mean, even within the team, but, uh, yeah, I'll admit that shocked me. Like when you said that. Yeah. And it, it makes, it's like, we are entering a realm where, I don't think there has been an artist like him in the sense that, yeah, he makes pop rock music or whatever, but he can also rap. Like our double XL's freshman cipher had the most positive reaction out of anyone. I forgot all about that. And oh my he, God. He was rapping and all the comments. I Bro. loved them. I watched so many reaction videos. It was just like, I didn't expect this out of 24, 24K Golden. All right, who, let's not lie. Like he snapped, he had the best verse, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, that was really assuring. Cause it was like, yo, we can do this shit if we want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, we're not trying to be a rapper in a in that type of sense. We're trying to find that middle lane or just, you know what I mean, just become a really global superstar. Bro, this conversation has excited me so much. You guys have had the craziest fucking year. It's unbelievable. I forgot all about Double XL. Did you go? I did not. I was one of the first few people to find out. I didn't go just because I'm I'm probably one of the most critical people of Golden and it would have messed up his like 
psyched and everything just being there like oh what is chris thinking tell a lot and i understand that sure. so that's why i just couldn't be there it probably would have been different now i would have definitely been there actually but uh that that was a really cool moment because i remember just being a kid just watching the double xl that's what i'm referring to yeah and it's just like wow now he's on it you know what i mean and moments from him just like embracing tiktok on it which was huge like got your girl tiktok into my shit it's just like you gotta respect it you know what i mean it's like yeah bro like i'm a pop star you know what I mean? I'm a pop star. Like he girls, is. people are gonna TikTok to my shit. Doesn't matter to me. Like I'm gonna embrace it. And then you have the other rappers in there from Cowboy and Fabio Foreign and Mulatto just respecting him and liking him and having that good chemistry in there. That was a really, really good validating moment. And I think it was big in changing the general perspective of him across all crowds. Even, even like the Instagram comments. You know if you I mean? didn't think he was a rapper before, you knew he was a rapper then. And yeah. I completely agree. And he may still be I still consider him like a not like a rapper rapper, but that proves to everyone he can rap. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And and 24K uh is a really personable young man. Like I only encountered with him literally one time, like so briefly, and I was like, oh, he's really nice, you know? Yeah. And so I wonder, did that play well into that experience meeting all those other, you know, up and coming rappers? Did he start to build any relationships from that? hundred percent. Just people meet him, he's like, oh. He's actually cool as fuck. And like I said, there was a big disconnect from his online personality to his in person, like real personality sure. at first. So that's why there was a lot of surprises from people. Just like, oh, this dude's actually really cool. He's not like how I thought he was or whatever. But yeah, that definitely helped a lot. Like f him and Fabio like each other now. They talk occasionally. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, and that's like two whole different lanes, you know what I mean? Like 100%. a New York drill rapper to a pop rock star, you know what I mean? 100%. It could re result in some really interesting collaborations. Speaking of, tell me about like, Justin Bieber jumping on, like yeah, and also J Balvin, right? Yeah, JV I mean, and JV. That's really, really, really incredible, and it also has a lot. I mean, not a lot, but to me, speaks a lot. Speaks loudly to the Miami thing. You, when you first brought that up at the very start, you said 24K, like, uh, like just spoke about Miami and how he thinks it's cool, be a good place to go. I totally understand that feeling because of like this latin bubble that's exploding right now right. especially here and i think 24k would be like <laughs> perfectly implemented into that vibe I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way uh so I, when i saw j balvin come on or no when you said that it made me think of j balvin coming on the track and how powerful that's going to be in the future and justin bieber of course i mean everything he touches is fucking gold so yeah tell me uh about how that came together and and the results of it so far so that came together golden it was friends, uh, met Scooter like before Valentino, all that stuff. Before Valentino? Before Valentino. Not sure how, but they just had a meeting or whatever. And he had his number still. Wow. And, yeah. And Valentino. Wow. And, and mood blowing up and stuff. Scooter reaches out, says, Congrats. And Roland's like, Justin Bieber remix, Winky Face. And Scooter's like, Haha, we'll see. And then obviously it happened. And that was just a crazy. Wait, that's how it got, that's how it got set up. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a big enough song where it, it was a symbiotic, yeah. symbiotic remix for sure. But it, it was just a surreal moment. I remember hearing it and just freaking out. I literally couldn't believe it. Like I just, I didn't believe it until I heard the bounce of it and hearing Justin's vocals on mood. I was like, holy fuck. Cause you know, he's literally the biggest artist in the world. If not. Yeah. I would agree. Um, and it's funny, I remember during quarantine, there was like the Bill Clinton memes people would post of like your four favorite albums that you post on your 
uh, story or whatever. And one of mine was My World 2.0 by Justin Bieber. <laughs> and then I, I reposted that a few weeks ago with the song playing with Bieber's verse. Oh, yeah. Stuff. I still can't believe it. I can't at, either. At, at times, you know, to be honest, like when he had the post up promoting it, I just remember commenting like, bro, thank you so much, bro. <laughs> 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 it's just this, that's someone that, just because of his influence and how big he is. It's just like, damn, man. I, I'm just, a, I'm a genuine fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, it's still just so cool to us. So yeah. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Crazy moment. I, I was so excited about that remix. So can you uh, speak on anything that we can expect from 24K in the future? Not anything specific, but just like as a brand, as an image, what's coming forward? Uh, once tours are back, we'll probably be on the road for oh yeah. Time. So that's cool. Just getting to enjoy normal life. I think I got like a year of normal life left. If I had to guess before shit just gets super super hectic. And even now, it's just like from literally the moment I wake up to the moment I fall asleep, I'm always doing something. But even that, it's gonna get even crazier then. As far as from Golden, uh, we have a new single dropping next month. As of now, it's called Coco. That'll be super cool. Uh, album early 2021 El Dorado debut album that would mm. be super super exciting oh that'll be crazy and then yeah hopefully tour the album after that El Dorado tour in the summer or fall whenever it happens but yeah just a lot of good music and then <laughs> yeah just seeing more, him more more and more more money moves and so I want to follow up by saying what's to come from Chris you know like I, I was going to say like you have obviously been I would call it a thousand times busier than you probably imagined you would be at this time. And 100%. even a year ago, I sure you can't even picture being where you're at right now. How does it feel? You know, how, like, like you said, you wake up every day and it's just like hustle, hustle, hustle. Does it, does it also come with that, that surreal feeling of like, wow, we're, we're really working right now? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it is definitely surreal at times. And sometimes I'm like, fuck bro. Like I'm just so tired or not just tired of the work, just literally tired. Like my body's physically tired or I'm just stressed out. But then I remember like, hey, this this is literally the life I signed up for. You know what I mean? Now, I didn't think it was going to be this quick. I thought I was going to be able to seamlessly transition from college life into the scene life or Hollywood life, whatever you want to call it. Didn't end up working out like that just because of how quickly everything blew up. But yeah, it, it's been really busy life. I'm, a, I'm on track to achieving everything I want. There's always a lot of people think my life was just a straight shot, like a straight linear line to the top. Wasn't the case at all. There was a lot of downs. But just people are only going to see the ups, obviously. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I think you just see me become more comfortable into my role and everything. Maybe, maybe posting more. I don't know. I don't really post on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really post on. Social Why do you media. even say that? Why would you say that? I don't really post on social media that much. But with this, like, to establish myself as my own entity and just outside of the realm of golden, okay, yeah. it comes to just me having to do that stuff as well. Just, but I think that is important, bro. You know, like you don't, you don't want to just be the 24K guy, you know? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want like, in the end, I'm still Chris. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So it's just post posting stuff like that, just non-golden stuff, just doing stuff outside of it. You know what I mean? Not I mean you use like stuff outside of golden works, just, just being my own person and it's being like, my own role. You and, have goals and they don't have to directly correlate to 24K. Exactly. Yeah, you know I totally I mean? get that. Yeah. So I think that'll happen. In the end, like this is everything I wanted and I'm getting there one way or another. It wasn't how I, I didn't really know how it was going to happen. I just knew something was going to fucking happen. Yeah, you so work hard. Like, yeah. And I definitely had uh, times where I been, I think like, damn, do I really deserve everything I'm getting? Like, I feel like I never was really sweating for working. But then I look back and in reflection, it's like, bro, I might have not have been sweating my ass off like a manual labor or some shit. But it's like, I've been putting work in every single day since like my freshman year of high school. 
type thing. And it's like now it's really, really finally clicking. It's only going to get crazier. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hope but so. But it's like it's super crazy to see like everything I talked about that I was going to do and everything I wanted to happen finally happening. So It's beautiful. What yeah. Is, what is your grand – what has been your grand goal leading up to this and, and what is your your grand goal moving forward? My goal always was to have a job where – I genuinely enjoyed it every single day where it didn't feel like a job. And I can say that I'm in that place right now. Check mark, yeah. I think once I graduate, assuming I, I plan is to graduate, but like, yeah, once I graduate, uh, to that, that'll help up with a lot of freeing up time and stuff. And then just learning how to say no to more stuff. I've started to realize I can't do everything. It's not healthy to do everything. So just learning how to say no to more stuff and just like, developing even my own team in a sense just delegating stuff to other people where it's just like you handle this so then i don't feel like my mind's always 24 7 racing picking up phone calls every two or three minutes you know what i mean bro that's a beautiful goal like yeah you're creating a lifestyle a lifestyle that's the word i use a lot i love that uh you know i was just thinking it's kind of like a triangle like you you know you or a graph if you will you know you your your goal is always going to be like how can I have as much work as possible? And then once you get there, it's like, okay, now how can I stop having some of this work? You know, like how can I continue to have this happiness, but like not be waking up every day having to answer phone calls every two minutes? You know what I mean? Right. I think that is really important. And I hope that you do get to start your team. It sounds like you fucking will. Like, bro, you work really hard and yeah, and and you have really good people around you. And uh, from what I've heard from Mitchell and from yourself, it sounds like you're meeting the right people and getting yourself in the right position. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, 100%. I think I need to be better at just when I'm at shoot at like shoots or events, stuff like that, instead of just chilling with my own team, just like striking a conversation with other people. You know what I mean? Definitely. A big part of it is how you meet someone. I I prefer to be introduced. Okay. Uh, just because it's, it's just a way better like way of establishing validity and legitimacy and stuff like that. But yeah, just being more social with people, I think, would help a lot. Out of most people I've met, especially within the music industry, I per I truly do not think there is anyone who values like the life and home aspects, at least within who I've met, which is not as much as other people, but like still, I truly value the life and home stuff more than other people. Like, cool, it's cool to work and stuff all the time and have a crazy uh, career and all that, but what good is the money? What good is that career when you don't have free time to spend it on you? I mean, I value so much being able to go home or taking trips with my friends from high school who I'm all still very, very close with. And other people may not even talk to their friends from high school once they enter this type of career because they feel like they don't have the time or they might get, they might push off getting married or doing signature life events like a birthday party or some shit. It's like, bruh, you got to live life during it. You can't wait for your big break because your big break is life. You know what I mean? Oh. You got you to gotta enjoy these moments. If there's a wedding or a funeral or some other major event and you skip it because of work, that's probably going to haunt you forever. When you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be thinking, damn, I wish I fucking worked more. Like, that's probably not the case. It's be like, damn, I wish I enjoyed more time with people and made more memories. So that's why. And I just learned that personally just through reading just like Reddit threads in <laughs> high school and shit. I, I was a huge Redditor in high school. I was just like mistakes people made growing up or stuff they wish they would have done differently and stuff. And it's just, yeah, I need to make sure. And I'm doing, I think I'm doing it as good a job as I can right now with it for sure. Is just live life while this happens. To even acknowledge that is beautiful, bro. I think uh, many people, you know, far more intensely uh, involved would take a lot more time to realize something like that. You know, I think uh, 
I think there is something to be said about going on trips and getting away from what's taking up all of your time. Otherwise you become obsessed, you know, and otherwise it becomes like your, in, your only thing. Then it's like, oh, there's Chris and he, he just works. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I don't want to be that. You know what I mean? Like I try not to talk about music to non-music people because I, I don't want to. Like don't get me wrong. I have an interesting career and shit, but it's like, bro, I promise you, like I talk about it enough. Like I don't want to. I just want to talk about normal shit, like fucking like a sport or something or yeah. like what's going on in your life. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, definitely. And I think a lot of people, once they get into this lifestyle or career, they just kind of just ditch everything that was of the past of them. Just like, Oh, that was the old me. That was just the new and improved me. It's like, bro, the new and improved you became you through those past experiences. It was through the people you were friends with and met with in high school. It was through your college experiences. Like you don't have to cut everyone off or just stop hanging out with them. Like having that balance is so important and it'll make you a better person. So no, I that's what I try to strike. I completely agree. I, I try to, so I, but I do think it's a careful balance because I do think there is an easy way to slip into not working as much, like getting too comfortable, spending too much free time, you know. And, and I, I hate to fall into that trap. I definitely, yeah. I get there a lot, you know. Yeah, definitely. Just like, oh, you're lazy, and it just comes a streak of like, oh, you're not doing much, or you just get caught up in whether it be drugs or just like the lifestyle or stuff. You just stop working. It's like, bro, in the end, the work has to get done before yeah. the fun. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like there is a, a level of prioritization that is involved. Um, all right, bro. Well, we'll definitely start wrapping it up. I've had a true pleasure chatting with you. It has been, too, man. It's been so great. nice. And I hope that we can continue to have conversations like this moving forward. Um, is there anything that we neglected to bring up that you would like to bring up or any questions that you have for me or anything like that? Or any shout outs that you want to make? Uh, I, I would encourage everyone. I, I not even encourage everyone. At times, I think I'm like too self aware for my own good, and sometimes like ignorance is bliss. A lot of it's times to be honest. I love ignorance is bliss. Yeah, it's like sometimes I'm like, damn. Sometimes I wish I was normal or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I would say just I would encourage people just to be more self aware. Just talk to other people when you can, and it, it's easier said than done. It's like, oh, bro, just. Just be more self-aware. Like that sounds corny as fuck to be honest. But it's just just talk to more people. Just realize in the end what role you truly play in the grand scheme of everything, big or small. It doesn't really matter. It's just don't. In the end, the whole point of everything of what we do, whether it's working or take, going on vacation or making money, it is to be happy. You know what I mean. And if you can achieve that through a different mean, you won. You know what I mean. Like the goal is just like. Be as happy as possible. It doesn't have to be through becoming a millionaire. Like there are so many billionaires who I think are less happy than me. Their life is probably miserable. Like for some of them, at least, to be honest. So just try to figure out like where you're truly trying to go, and just be aware in that, and always take the time to self reflect and stuff. Oh, I see what you're saying. You say self reflect, and, and so when you say that and self aware, I start to think that you mean like um, that you mean something different. But what I what I feel like you meant was like you know. Just analyze what's important to you, you know, like know what's important to you and pursue that, you know? Yeah. I think that is really important because I, I think we sent this, I can't remember if it was on or off air, but you're talking about like how a lot of people our age still don't even know what they want to do with their life, you know? And I think that is a shitty feeling to be like lost and just kind of like going through life kind of aimlessly. And so I agree. I do think taking time to like know yourself and be aware of what's important to you and not important to you is crucial, like top priority until you figure out what is important to you, you know? hundred percent. And yeah. Those people who haven't had it figured out at like 22 or 23, you may look around and be like, what the fuck? Like, I'm behind or whatever. It's like, bro, don't compare your life to other people. Like, yeah. Everyone has their own path. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's just, what, what would 16-year-old you think of you right now? Like, he, like he, my 16-year-old self would be like super proud. You know what I mean? And it's just, if you've made progress from last year or like from yesterday, from last month, whatever, 
then you're on the right track. Yeah. Like if you're closer to figuring out what it is you want to do, or you're closer to getting a number one billboard hit, whatever your goals are, or you're closer to spending more time with your family or whatever, as long as you're on track, you're fine. And it's just like, again, remember in the grand scheme of things, the only things that matter are like your family, your friends, and just you being happy. And your yeah. happiness. I love that, bro. All right, guys, if you made it this far, I appreciate you. I love you. Um, stay tuned for more cool stuff next week. We're going to have some like tattoo artists and some other artist managers coming on, I think, that I have booked. But uh, thank you. I love you. Thank you, man. It was a great time. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't even say bye to you. I said bye to the audience. <laughs> but yeah, again, thanks for coming on, bro. Of course. And uh, dude, it's a truly inspiring and exhilarating story to hear what you guys have gone through this year. And I can't imagine like what's to come next. Getting a Justin Bieber feature is a huge fucking deal. And yeah. we'll definitely give you guys credit uh, moving forward. Appreciate that. And the touring, bro, I can't wait to see what you guys do. You know, uh, it's really crazy what's going on right now. And we didn't even like take time to talk about just the shittiness of tour, but I'm glad we didn't. Cause I think we had a really positive conversation. Instead. Yeah. There's so much that could be talked about. It's yeah. just like, I'm going to write a book at, at some point. But. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I hate not being on the road. I desperately want to get back on the road. Kevin Lyman and I have conversations all the time about one day we'll start doing stuff again. Right. So yeah, whenever definitely. that day comes, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, man. You too. Thank Appreciate you. It. All right. Well, uh, like I said, everybody you've made it this far. I love you. Peace out. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace. Why you always in the mood? Fucking around like I'm brand new. I ain't trying to tell you what to do, but try to play cool. Baby, I ain't playing by your rules. Everything look better with a view. Why you always in the mood? Fucking around like I'm brand new. I ain't trying to tell you what to do, but try to play cool. Baby, I ain't playing by your rules. Everything look better with a view. You've been in the mood. You've been giving hella attitude. What I gotta do to get through the year, I can never lose you Maybe spend the night out on the town like we used to We can sit around and watch funny shit on YouTube I know at times I can have a couple screws loose I'm trying to connect to your body, girl, like it's Bluetooth You know what I mean, you know what I need We play games of love to avoid the depression Peleando sin una necesidad Valórame, bebé, yo yeah.